Hello and welcome to FTP for Triathlon People episode. Cam doesn't know because he doesn't pay attention. 40? Yeah, yeah. 40. <laughs> Great work. That's probably really loud. Matt's going to have to <laughs> make that a little quieter. Um, but hey, everyone, we're here coming to you live from our bedroom. I'm Morgan. Sorry. I'm Cameron. We're coming to you from Gobo in Boulder, Colorado. Yep. Um, today, we have an interview with... Danny from Active Imprints Custom and Orthotics and Active 88 Footwear. Yeah. Um, it was a very fun conversation. Yeah, it was. He's like a seemingly like the OG in current running, basically. Pretty much everything I believe about running, I'm pretty sure he's come up with. Yeah. It's like, be comfortable. Run your natural run form. Yeah. Don't have a lot of cushioning to, like, correct for things that you could just correct through your form. Yeah, and, like, avoid heel striking, like, prefer a forefoot or midfoot strike, and, like, have a lower heel-to-toe drop shoe, like, lightweight. You're giving away the whole episode. No, I mean, I'm just, like, (laughs) whatever. Um, Super smart guy. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. Great conversation. Local local he's actually living our dream um up in the mountains right now (laughs) but the the poor so we're actually like in a snowstorm in the beginning of september so he's like apparently he already has like a foot up in flagstaff i think we probably have like a quarter of an inch down here though. yeah we don't have much but like that's the only downside of living in the mountains i'd put up with it if it meant i didn't have to leave my house true um but anyway without further ado Here's our interview with Danny. Hello. Hi, is this Danny? It is, yes. Thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon, however snowy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we could just get started with our first question, and that is, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh, wow. Um, well, Danny Abshire, uh, Boulder, Colorado. I've uh, been in Colorado since 1977. I was I was a ski bum from Tennessee and uh, just uh, wanted to come out and have a great adventure. And I did, and I stayed. And I was also a long distance runner and uh, married my wife in 1986. And uh, we moved from Aspen. I was I was she and I were working up there. Uh, moved from Aspen down to Boulder and started a company called Active Imprints. And uh, Active Imprints, uh, custom orthotics. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we developed a, a unique way to mold them and unique materials and started making orthotics for Ironman world champions, Mount Everest climbers, Tour de France riders, um, because I had been working in the ski industry and developed, uh, you know, a way to uh, mold feet So, and make lightweight orthotics. So... Fast forward all that. <laughs> uh, I know that's that's ancient history. And then uh, in 2007, I was I worked with Newton Running and mm-hmm. developed technology uh, in the forefoot, and told everybody in the world you should be landing more midfoot forefoot as opposed to heel striking. Right. And uh, and that was my book called Natural Running. And then I developed uh, clinics and um, a set of of uh, guidelines in which you could, uh, you know, change your form 
and uh, there's no no right or wrong way to run, but you know certainly there's a more efficient way to run, and so that's been my you know big focus for all these years. So personally, I've run everything from you know mile to you know hundred miles and over hundred miles uh, in uh, three day events. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah, so I think uh, you know being a runner, being a inventor, and and also working with feet, I was always. Um, you know, drawn towards shoe design as well. So, you know, had the opportunity to do that. But it's, I think it was a, a mix of everything that, you know, I try to do is, you know, level your foot, uh, get in a lightweight level shoe, and then, you know, uh, understand your movement. And so that's, yeah. uh, I know that's probably way too much, but. Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. It's amazing. So would you call yourself the father of the midfoot strike? Uh, yeah, I was uh, even by MIT. We I done some, uh, you know, some studies uh, at MIT uh, with mm-hmm. steady state heart rate, time, and distance with a, a, a bunch of their athletes for years, and uh, also uh, a a class that was devoted to you know proving things. And so they they did say I was you know um, <laughs> you know the person who got people back into a to a midfoot strike midfoot forefoot i talked about both mm-hmm. uh prior um nicholas romanoff from russia i talked a lot about forefoot running and uh danny dreyer chi running folks like that talked about midfoot and i i was i was the one who explained that you know you want to be parallel to the ground uh, when you land as 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 much as you can in that way it's either forefoot or midfoot depending on you know the placement so yeah. it's a safer way and of course there's been a lot of um you know uh studies and and input from folks over so when i first went out and started teaching this uh, along with our shoes you know you can't back in those days you couldn't teach people how to run midfoot forefoot mm-hmm. unless you took the heel out of the way so certainly when i took the heel out of the way or lowered the heel um, i had to discuss you know if if that was so then your foot is going to work more naturally and then to be more efficient you certainly wouldn't want to be heel striking uh, as had been taught for you know years and years and years so yeah. Well, on behalf of everyone who's ever run a step, I think you've probably saved us many injuries with that <laughs> research. Well, you know, you know, it's not always easy to learn because people, you know, get a little overzealous, um, you know, and maybe bypass, you know, true, true midfoot style and then opt to go to forefoot. And then the learning curve sometimes is a little bit longer mm-hmm. uh, until you figure that out. Um, certainly, you don't want to be suspended in a sprint mode, but some people do because it's like more is better, right? So um, it's like the way I look at it is you have to learn how to relax your ankle, um, you know, as the ball of the foot touches the ground, the, the heels needs to settle downward. And then that's when you can start to understand and change up your your pace and quickness and really your human spring Mm -hmm. uh once you really find that um now you can really 
you know, drive your running like more like a performance, you know, vehicle, right? So it's it's uh, pretty amazing. That's yeah. awesome. It is awesome. So did you run in college? Uh, no, I actually, you know, I ended up um, just out of high school. I had a friend who was uh, um, just traveling, wanted to travel, and she went up to Aspen, of all places, because I grew up in a little oh. town in Tennessee. I see. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, had, I expressed to her that I'd always wanted to uh, learn how to ski because I had seen all these famous French skiers back in the Olympics and uh, in in the eighties. You know, Jean Claude Keeley and all these great skiers. And and I was like, boy, I, I really want to do that sometime. So um, yeah, so I just kind of dropped everything and went out uh, to uh, Aspen and uh, got a job and. You know, learned how to ski and, you know, never really went back. Yeah. This has been my home ever since. So right. that was 1977. A full day lift ticket in Aspen in 1977 was $12. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so certainly you could live off of $4.50 an hour, you know, right. working and uh, with a free lift ticket and a place to stay and a and a, pa- a free pass. So, nice. you know, that's that's pretty much uh, for a young man who wanted to ski. That was, was kind of like heaven, you know? Yeah, yeah. living the dream. So when yeah, did you... Yeah. And so then I would I would run after skiing in the afternoons uh, when I could, and then uh, I ran all summer. Um, so, and then a friend of mine kind of said, road racing was kind of young back in those days too, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there were road races, but... You know, they were starting to grow a bit, especially like the five, ten Ks. Uh, there weren't that many marathons. Um, there were only four ultra marathons in the U.S. So, you know, things were quite different, and it was really, it was a really cool time. You know. Yeah. So, so what did you used to run in? What kind of shoes did you run in? Uh, you know, so back to that, I, I. I ran track and field in high in uh, middle school and high school, and I just really, you know, really enjoyed that. And I was, uh, you know, punt and kickoff returner on the on the football team, and so I was always used to like a, you know, blend of you know sprinting and, and distance. And uh, mm-hmm. so um, I've I've really enjoyed being a runner my whole life, and um, you know, already getting into competitive, um, you know, local races whether I was in Aspen or visiting back in Tennessee and, you know, I could, could be like a top 10 runner and, you know, in a race. And, uh, that was always, you know, I was, you know, it was, I worked as hard as I could to do what I did. And I, I thought that was great. You know, I think people need to be, you know, easy on themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, you're, so you're self-taught with footwear, sneakers, running form, um, you know, what spurred you to look into footwear, into running footwear specifically? Well, it was, it was the orthotics, um, the okay. orthotic background. And, and it, it is the way this rolled out was, is a pretty good story. My friend, Paul Anubi Frazier was the only one who ever said that. Like Danny's the, the footwear and, and, and foot guru. She called me the <laughs> foot whisperer. And, uh, you know, but this is how it all evolved that I was, I was doing my orthotics at a boulder and I had made, uh, 
you know, a couple of world champions. Scott Molina won Ironman that year in 1988. We helped him over an Achilles problem. So once we opened our our active imprint store in 1988 in Boulder, uh, people, athletes just started kind of coming in. It was kind of a word of mouth thing. We, uh, we advertised in a small little athletic publication, um, Rocky Mountain Sports, and at that time, and, and all of a sudden we had athletes coming to us, and it was just amazing. And so mm-hmm. then from that, we started selling footwear, and, um, and then, so Jennifer and I would be watching folks run, you know, in, you know, high drop shoes, you know, 12 millimeter heel shoes. Mm -hmm. And then it magnifies, see, it magnifies your pronation, right? So if you heel strike laterally, then as you come to mid stance, you crash for a longer period of time. So you see people completely pronating. And then as brands made, we saw an evolution of how brands then tried to you know, stop your pronation with the shoe. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes very awkward because I see that happening now again. But the way it happened back then was high heel and, you know, sort of pitching you laterally, right. uh, but just mainly posting you medially. Um, so from that, we saw, you know, and then I was wear testing for bunch of companies because they would come to Boulder and I carried uh, ASIC shoes and Brooks and um, even in the early days we had some of the lesser known brands we had turn tech and we had um, Mizuno we had some of the first Mizunos uh, in in the US wow. um, so so we had a bunch of we had we didn't have a lot of brands we and we didn't do the big brands we were always sort of an underdog um, brand lover and so we could see kind of the pros and cons of a lot all of this but at the end of the day it was being you know a person who looked at biomechanics that was seeing that footwear was getting in the way mm-hmm. uh, of the runner and mm-hmm. then you know then I keep you know thinking it's like well when we were you know running in the 70s I mean we had those thin you know Pumas or thin Adidas um, you know, right. and nobody was really complaining about getting hurt. I mean, we would try to run fast all the time, so our calves would be sore, but we never had like fasciitis or IT band or anything. Yeah. And um, so that comes from mainly, you know, rear foot rotation or, you know, an unbalanced forefoot. So I, I've been always trying to com- combine the thought of what does your, what do your feet do? biomechanically in the heel and the ball mm-hmm. and um then how can a shoe just let you you know how can a shoe get out of your way but provide the essentials of you know shock absorbency and um levelness and and you know breathability and flexibility so all of those things because if you have good form then that's what the needs are right. um so anyhow, it was the observing, you know, of thousands of runners and tens of thousands of runners and making orthotics for, you know, ten thousands of people, uh, because we do these hand handcrafted, and we still do it today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, so I think it's just it was the observance of understanding feet and foot type, and then observing gait and how people you know, need prompts to begin with, but then how shoes, 
um, can affect that whole system, that whole system in, 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 in very much a, you know, a bad way. Yeah. Or less, let's say, let's say less efficient way. How's yeah. That? yeah, absolutely. So hearing everything you're saying, um, it's reminding me of the kind of barefoot running revolution of 2012. I remember I was running cross country and everyone was running barefoot for training rides when we were, or runs when we yeah. were in the grass. So do you have any thoughts yeah. on that? Like, well, I started, you know, basically in my opinion, it's, you know, verified by, you know, MIT and some other folks. It's, and I started minimalism and I had really nothing to do with barefoot running. Mm-hmm. So that barefoot running was, you know, uh, brought about by Vibram. And I think also inspired by, you know, the book born, of course it was inspired <laughs> by the book born to run. And right. so I, I had run with Micah true. I mean, I've been, I've been an ultra runner for many years. Um, I knew him for quite a while. Um, and you know, a lot of those stories, I mean, I was, I was in the Leadville races when, you know, um, the Tomorrow were running. So it's, it's very cool to me, but you know, certainly if you grow up in society, a society where you never wear shoes, then you can probably run bare, but mm-hmm. if you try to transition from, you know, your soft skin, uh, unconditioned, unmuscular feet, and try to go run on concrete, well, of course, you're going to get hurt. Right, right. Um, even I had to talk about, for folks, getting at a 12-millimeter heel height uh, down to 2 and 3 millimeters in which, you know, I developed. Um, you know, there there's an adapt, adaptation period in which your calf muscles need to stretch out a little bit and relax because you've been propped up in a half-inch heel. Mm-hmm. Um that's one portion of it. And then the sort of fascination of I'm going to run on my forefoot now and, and instead run on your toes in a sprint mode, you know, can blow people up pretty fast. Absolutely. So that, that whole period, I, I coined the phrase, you know, an adaptation, a period for, you know, footwear. Um, because awesome. I had to explain it because we were the, you know, I was the first person to, uh, you know, bring out a low pitch shoe, right? Everything. Yeah. I was the first person. Um, now I had made a shoe called the MV three or the MV two, and it was the first zero pitch. But as far as we didn't really market it as that, as the Mm. big deal, it was a racer and, uh, it was, uh, but right about that same time, then ultra came out with, you know, their foot shape shoe with zero pitch. So, you know, and that wasn't, uh, you know, what I was going after. And I tell people that's not what you go after today is trying to, the goal is not to be zero, you know, it's, it's to be comfortable, but typically most people, you know, you know, should probably be about six millimeters or less, just to get the shoe out of your way. Yeah. Yeah. I actually run in ultra, um, and finding the low drop, zero drop foot shape has like revolutionized my running completely so i definitely appreciate that industry right and i think you know the good thing about that is it's like you know once you you know feel that and experience that you know it's also good to experience other shoes and in just a way that can change up your your spring right Mm -hmm. um 
you know, sometimes the main thing you have to be careful about, like zero pitch shoes and with softer midsole, is not to go negative or basically just staying on the ground too long. Yeah. Really. That's Absolutely. the only thing. So, you know, I'm a you know proponent of, you know, trying to really stay agile and really quick and especially, you know, trail running, you know, I really, um, you know, I'm 62. I, I still run trails all the time. Awesome. I think it's a matter of being very agile and quick on your feet and you need a shoe that's light and gives you feedback, right. Without the harsh, you know, impact. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so going back on the like transition phase, I definitely experienced that. Um, <laughs> I transitioned from like some like twelve or fourteen millimeter Asics, like right? Asics and Mizuno's, and I actually transitioned into Newton shoes. Um, and you like, loved the lugs. Yeah, and yeah, I ran in those for like the last four years in my triathlon career. Um, so I just wanted to hear sort of your transition to Newton. Well, you know, I'm not with Newton anymore. Yeah, I, I yeah. forgot. I forgot to mention that. No, no worries. Uh, I have a new brand called Active Eighty Eight. Yeah. Uh, but we can, you know, totally answer your question. I've been, I've not been with Newton for about three and a half years now. Okay. And uh, and, uh, but I did a lot of things there. I mean, we we were first doing a, a ton of things, um, and then also with my book, it had to correlate. Uh, what we were trying to do with Newton and how to give people some tips on, you know, how to, how to adjust. But typically, and I'm finding this with people who run in Hoka now are doing the same thing, but they're doing it for a different reason okay. um, is, you know, what I call, it's like overstriding um, and landing a little too steep um, on the ball of the foot you know, reaching out in front of you a little bit too much okay. with kind of a stabbing effect. Yeah. Um, and see, that's just as bad as heel striking because, you know, what you're doing is you, you are stabbing and unless your timing is right, um, when you do a technique like that, um, you're basically holding, you know, as you impact the ground, you're holding three and a half times your body weight that whole time as your whole body goes now across that foot and now you push off again. So you just held all this weight mm -hmm. and then you push really hard. So you just blow up your calves. Right? Yeah. Um, is that what happened to you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's totally predictable, you know, because of two things. Number one, when you come from a heel strike, um, what happens if you just kind of put your heel on the ground out in front of you and then start moving forward? Now you're at mid stance and then now you're towing off. Um, so what everybody was taught to do with heel strike was stop, roll and push. Mm -hmm. And that really has nothing to do with running. That's the human walking gait. Yeah. And that's another thing that kind of freaked me out is, in my book, I mean, I talk about those three phases. Here's walking, here's sprinting, that's the far end, and then here's distance running in the middle. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, 
I was really the first, you know, uh, person involved in footwear or orthotics to talk about that because everybody kind of went, oh, what do you do when you walk? Heel strike. It's like, what do you do when you run? Heel strike. Well, that's kind of like, <laughs> it's like asking Rain Man, you know, how much is a, a candy bar? It's $100, you know? Right. Yeah. How much is the movie? $100. So it's about right. But anyhow. Um, so, uh, Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's well, that's, I mean, you have to think about it. It's just, it's just like getting, you know, I mean, that's right. If we went and played golf or just hit some balls, you know, you know, our shoulders, our neck, our lower back would be tight. You know, we've never done it before, but as we do it and practice and become better, um, then that goes away. And that's basically what happens when people do not take the time to adapt. And plus, you know, you don't always get any sort of, you know, information and, or encouragement or even take the time to, um, you know, do a, you know, do a gradual build up in what you're doing. People like to go cold turkey and full blast. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody wants that transition period. No, um, you know, why bother? It's like, I'm tough. I can do this. It's like, let's just go. Let's go. Let's get busy. Especially you traveling people. No, I'm you're not, not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. Um, so you have since left Newton and started Active 88 Footwear. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Active 88? What makes your footwear stand out from the crowd? What makes you guys different? Yeah, we're just a tiny little little brand and uh, <laughs> you know we're developing you know, we just have a basic philosophy of you know and i just now developed well last summer summer and a half uh, did a you know a customizable insole which is very affordable it's a wedged insole that we can get your heel level get your you know just contact in the arch and then get your forefoot level so it's more mm-hmm. about balancing and so what we've done is we've taken our foot balance system and kind of put that with two lightweight uh, minimalist shoes um okay. you know and with that uh, they're kind of adaptable as well because I did a dual density thing in the heel or underneath the heel that, you know, um, you adapt into the shoe. Um, so there's no transition period um, unless you are coming from 12 millimeters or higher and right. overzealous or whatever. <laughs> so, um, but I, I've worked with a, a Chinese family owned uh, brand and the, they had contacted me after I left Newton and uh, and I and I just solely went over to China to uh, do run form clinics with them. Wow! Uh, they they brought me over to do run form clinics at the uh, three universities and a couple of uh, run clubs, and so um, they were you know excited about you know getting you know starting a running revolution, right? So. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, two years later, when I went over there for the Great Wall of China Marathon, um, these guys, that particular day was two years ago. So in April, they uh, they had um, over, it, you know, in, in the country of China, there were over half a million people that ran in a marathon that weekend. Oh, my. <laughs> various cities around the the country that's how quick it, the running is booming over there wow i'm not 100 percent sure you know how things are going now because of covid but right. they were really on track to people were loving their running you know so i was super glad to be there 
Um, and then, um, you know, after, after a while, then, um, they, uh, they asked if I wanted to, you know, do a little development with them. And so I did, and I have a very, one model is, um, called the Boulder and, um, it's five and a half ounces for men's size nine. Uh, it's fully vented out of the bottom and also the grid work in the forefoot sort of flexes when you impact and so that's the technology it's sort of this grid work that mm -hmm. flexes and um and if we, as we team it up and we, we're on the firmer side of phones but that's uh you know again uh, losing less energy mm -hmm. um, through a firmer foam and they're very very high rebound foams and so even out of our, you know out of our ultralight shoe and it's fully vented that it, it you do get quite a few miles. People are always astonished how many miles they get in, in shoes. But, you know, the way I look at it, too, the more you understand the ground, the less friction and impact you have because you, you know, you start to uh, be aware that, you know, you're not tiptoeing down, but you understand, you know, when you're about to hit the ground, when you hit the ground and when you want to get off the ground. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's what I strive for and try to help folks strive for so that's the boulder and so that's that's great for you know your tempo workouts your racing uh, up to up to half marathon especially 5 10k um and then the other model we have is called yin yang the yin yang um, is the balance of running Okay. It's only seven and a half ounces for wow. men's nine, so only two ounces heavier. And it's a great marathon shoe, um, great lightweight trainer. And most most brands, you know, used to start their lightweight shoes at ten and a half ounces. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're at five and a half and, uh, and seven and a half. And the, uh, the Yin Yang has three, three layers of foam that we've – layered up we have a high rebound uh, banded foam uh and then we have some you know absorbing foams under the heel and forefoot so right now that's our those are, those are our keys along with you know minimum minimal pitch i mean you know we're we're like three mil on uh, on the yin yang and we're six that turns into a three with uh, with the boulder and i know that sounds weird but we have a a cradle heat that you you know, after a few runs, you, you kind of cradle in. And so for no, it has no heel counter. Um, so for an upper that's um, very minimal, you feel like it's has structure because you're getting control from below. Right. And then, and then with the, one of the, if you have, especially we look at your forefoot, um, whether it's over a photo, we can do this over a photo, you know, texted photo or emailed photo. Uh, or if you're in Boulder, you can pop in and we can look at, at your foot because we're trying to balance your forefoot. Um, our new AI soul system. I mean, when we put that on you, you're going like, man, I totally feel solid. Right. So it's like having a solid pair of moccasins. Basically <laughs> it's kind of, you know, feels really nice, but minimal. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, both shoes have the, um, flat stretch lace with, uh, lace lock. And, uh, that gives you, you know, just this kind of combination of, hardly anything on your foot but sort of you know drawn up to your foot so some people like to tie their shoes really tight i don't mm -hmm. i don't think that's necessary especially if you're landing you know and cognizant of your land and um you know where's where you're stable and um 
and having also any kind of uh, biomechanical gaps filled in uh, your forefoot. And then I think you're, you know, home free. That's cool. awesome. So has it been hard to break into like a very established running shoe industry? Yeah, we're not worried about that at all. I mean, certainly that was one of the first things when people, um, you know, we're just having fun. We're making a few shoes and awesome. uh, people like our stuff. Um, I am uh, out of the yin yang Zoot, Zoot shoe, Zoot's new shoe that they came out, their Ultra TT. Um, we we uh, built that for them and they launched that last October in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, we, we were all doing quite well till, uh, you know, COVID hit. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, so if you're not aware, then that, you know, that is, uh, you know, my bottom unit, uh, the yin yang on their ultra TT. And so they do the uppers and they call out the, the mesh right. and, uh, things like that. And then I have it produced for them. Got it. That is so cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. what are your yeah, thoughts? They just, oh, they just did two, two more. So, and it's again, I mean, going back to, you know, your question, it's like, Listen, and a lot of brands came after new, nobody was coming up with anything and, you know, K-Swiss, every, you know, Ultra, um, you know, Hoka eventually, um, Vibram, you know, there was a number of people that just automatically said, you know, we're going to go into business because somebody little little newton at a boulder came along and <laughs> you know they're creating you know some some uproar because we were different right and, right you know and it's like well is this logical and this is if it's different and logical then you know then of course like now everybody's copying you know the soft high profile of hoka which is in my opinion not a good thing uh for performance running i mean again it's like this is just my opinion. It's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a Goldilocks syndrome that, you know, as a designer, you, you want to play and it's number one is, is it too much? Do I want to run, you know, on a posturepedic bed and spend a lot of time, you know, cushioning, right. you know, or do I want to understand my body and understand how I can cushion myself? Uh, that's on the one extreme. And then the other extreme is, you know, is basically, you know, barefoot running, which is not existent now, or minimalism, which is less existent now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because, um, you know, they have to, if something's hot, and now there's a, there will be an issue, and depends on how long COVID will be around or whatever, because, you know, it's influenced by, you know, what the retailers are buying. Right. And, and if every, if the retailers are buying Hoka, then, they're selling what Hoka. What right. happened before? Well, retailers like Brooks, and so they were selling a ton of Brooks, you know. Right. And and Asics and on down the line over the history of, of running. So now, does anybody care? Do I care? You know about any of these other brands? No way, because I'm just having fun, uh, trying to trying to continue doing the things that you know I love and my wife loves and. And it's like, it's helping people, helping runners. And, you know, just because we have enough knowledge of this whole run form and footwear thing, I mean, we're just trying to be better. I mean, our first offerings, um, I think are great and people love, and they're only 125 and 135 respectively. So we're trying to 
develop you know a reasonable price point for a minimalist shoe that that uh, our our motto is you know minimal design maximum protection yeah and if if you team up the our foot support system with that that's that's the statement right there it's we have minimal design, but maximum protection biomechanically, you know, uh, shock absorbently, and then give you tips, you know, how, how you can improve you know, that, that efficiency That's as well. Awesome. Yeah. So on, on the same subject of like the max cushioning sort of trend that we're <laughs> seeing running shoes, what, what are your thoughts on this whole carbon shoe revolution that we're seeing? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, if you know anybody who's been around the industry any, any length of time, I mean, Brooks had a shoe called The Truth, you know, probably in the 90s, and it had a full-length carbon plate, and, um, you know, no of way. course, like, the first Air Jordans had carbon plate. I mean, you know, I personally, you know, see, look, look at the trend. Everybody had thick foam everybody copies thick foam and mm-hmm. now Nike puts in a, a plate, everybody puts in a plate, Saucony, you know, now North face, just you name it. Everybody has a plate at you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the only thing about, you know, the way the industry goes, you know, everybody waits for someone to do something. And then it's copied with us. It was mainly color. Cause we had a, we had a lot of patents. Jennifer and I came up with very colorful shoes in a time where no one was using color right. and our whole, our whole line was color. So, um, that, that automatically, you know, it's like, well, Hey, let's all do color, Newton color, you know, what yeah. colors are Newton using? So, so, you know, it's sort of this, you know, footwear is a little bit weird like that. It's like, you know, who's this? Well, if they're hot and they look at their sales, it's not about, you know, to try to respect somebody, you know, for bringing something forward. I guess on cloud, it's probably, you know, more of my favorite because mm-hmm. they had three or four non-starts. You know, I still think they have, you know, technology-wise, I think they could be better. But, you know, at the end of the day, they had three or four starts, but they didn't give up. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, they sold a million pairs of shoes in the U.S. or whatever last year. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I as long as you're true to yourself, I mean, I, you know, personally less respect for people that just say, oh, well, I'm going to throw, here's my version of the plate. Well, here's my version of the, you know, my foam. Here's my version of the rocker. See, mm-hmm. everybody's doing the rocker. That was like, it was so long ago. So a lot of these footwear developments that some people might think that are developments i mean they're just kind of hashing old thoughts now whether thought is more valid today than it was then or built better than it was then then you know that's okay i mean then you got something if you can feel it right but and it works then that's awesome yeah awesome so a follow-up question to that is what excites you about the future of running footwear well, you know, I, I just the way I saw it, like, you know, way, way too far long ago. I mean, time flies. Um, you know, it took us probably like 10 years to develop, um, you know, the technology and testing. And now it's a lot easier to test. It's a lot easier to, to do things. And I actually challenged, challenged all the footwear industry to, to 
look at their chest because they were just hitting the rear foot, you know, with a rod and in a single impact and recording that. And it's like, that has nothing to do with the human running on your shoe, you know? Right. So, <laughs> so, so I kind of questioned pretty much, you know, all the sections between, you know, you know, why were you doing this to how, how could you say that's a valid test or whatever? So I think it takes somebody who's, you know, not, not been, you know, fully immersed in a brand, like a, a larger brand mm-hmm. and kind of grown up as a designer in that kind of environment. And then somebody like myself who, you know, knew how to put shoes together, take them apart and knew what the feet inside looked like. Um, and then how that whole thing together was moving. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's, I hope that makes sense because yeah. It's not just the shoe, you know, everybody, you know, especially when it comes to like equipment stuff, it's like, oh, my bike broke down. I don't like that bike. It becomes personal. And I think, you know, everybody's the same thing with footwear. It's like, well, that shoe doesn't work for me. And I found something that worked. Okay. So guess what? If that that works and you're not getting injured and you're having nice performance and uh, you're happy, it's got to make you happy. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then, you know, do something else, right? Yeah. But a lot of times it's not the footwear, it's your biomechanics and your form. So it's kind of like, okay. So I, I still think there's a big, you know, I think there's a big hole in there um, in which I'm talking about right now. It's like, you know, balance your foot and balance your feet, get yourself level, and it doesn't take much. It's not like old style thinking, like, you know, rigid orthotic and your foot mm-hmm. posting and, you know, it's not scary. It's like, you know, let's, let's balance your foot. And so you can feel that all the way through your spine. And so now just do something simple like that. Um, now it gets you into a comfortable, lightweight, more minimal shoe. And now let's just give you a couple of pointers. And I still think that's a valid thing uh, that we do every day and then also i think it's a valid thing for you know the future footwear um i think there's a lot of patents that you know that we still can bring forward um you know we were looking we were looking to get some funding here you know just you know prior to all this stuff going on um like COVID hitting so we're postponed that for now but we certainly um, our testing technologies right now, which are so simple, it'll freak you out, and it's gonna. But but they feel great, and it's it goes along our minimal design, maximum protection kind of thought. So it's definitely a, an elastic enhancement, but it has nothing to do with new technology. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, our last segment of this interview is three fun rapid fire questions. Um, so the first one <laughs> is what is your okay. favorite trail to run in Boulder? Well, I, I live up here on Flagstaff, so Walker Ranch Loop, which is super challenging and awesome. you know, definitely, definitely will give you a workout. That's, that's my favorite. It's right, Love right it. below me here. Um, okay. Number two, what is your favorite race ever? Oh man, that's like, that's so hard. That's so hard. Um, I guess I'd have to say, um, my, the first uh, time I uh, finished Leadville. Oh, well, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, and then the final question is, um, who do you think is going to win Kona the next time it is raced? 
you know, I, I, you know, you have, you have to get me, uh, we have to get a little closer on that, right? <laughs> we have to get back to racing first. So. <laughs> We gotta see where everyone stands. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't produce that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Well, Danny, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I think for both of us, um, loved getting to know you. Loved yeah. getting to know Active Eighty Eight. Um, I think we found you on Instagram at Active Imprints Inc. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we have several different ones, but uh, yeah. Awesome. So folks can yeah. find you there, find you at activeimprintsco.com. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and active88.com, but probably the activeimprintsco.com is the easiest way locally to get a hold of us. Awesome. Well, Danny, thank you so much again. Um, such a blast talking to you. Oh yeah, it was fun. Thank you so much for the invite and glad we could pull it off. Thanks. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Take care. Enjoy the snow. Uh Oh, yeah, let's get it back. Let's get back to warm weather. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya. Bye. All righty, well, welcome back. Thanks for joining us um, in our conversation with Danny from Active Imprints and Active 88. Next week, we will have quite a bit to talk about, including WTS Hamburg, which was also world champs. Um, and that happened over this past weekend. And we'll also have a bunch of other try news. So, um, stay tuned for that. We're looking forward to chatting with you same time, same place next week. You can follow us at four triathlon people, send us an email at four triathlon people at gmail.com. We love getting your messages and questions. Um, and also please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Other than that, we'll see you next week. We love you. Take care of each other out there and stay healthy.